Welcome to the Short-Term Rental Pros Podcast. Knowledge, experiences, and actionable takeaways from those who are killing it with short-term rentals. Here's your host, Jeremy Warden. We are live with the Short-Term Rental Pro Podcast. Guys, I'm here with my man, Merritt, straight out of upstate New York. I was going to say rural New York earlier, but he corrected <laughs> me. Syracuse, New York is a city, guys, for those wondering. But Merritt's someone who I've had a real privilege to grow a relationship with over the last few months. actually met him in LA. Maybe we'll talk about kind of how we met on this episode. And have had it's been awesome that Merritt has actually joined us, joined our program, our community. And we're really looking forward to growing Merritt's business out and reaching new heights. So, so Merritt, thank you so much for coming today and tell us about yourself and how you got into Airbnb and how you built your property management co-host business. Yeah, man. Thank, thanks so much for the intro. Yeah. Not non-rural upstate New York, Syracuse, New York, <laughs> only well known for the SU basketball team, I guess. That's the one thing it's really known for. But anyways, yeah, my name is Merritt. Jim, Jim Beheim. Exactly. Retire? Fun fact. My wife is friends with his daughter. They hang out. They just hung out this week, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And she wasn't aware of the connection. She doesn't really follow sports. And she, she was like, Bo, Boheim? Who? What? I'm like, you're literally friends with the most famous person's daughter in Syracuse and you didn't know it. It's really funny. But anyways, yeah, I, I have two of my own Airbnbs, soon three. So I, have a, I own a duplex and I own a single family house. The single family actually started as an arbitrage deal. And then I closed on it almost exactly a year ago, actually. And uh, yeah, I converted the duplex to a midterm model. I'm currently furnishing the upper floor right now. I just finished some renovations. And the single family is in like the top 10 properties in Syracuse area, which is great. Not a super saturated market, so it's not super impressive, but. <laughs> and then I also have a co-hosting property management company. We manage six with my, plus my two, soon to be three. And uh, they're mostly in this area. And then I have one in the Thousand Islands. And there's one down in Deposit, New York, which is like a fly fishing right on, on the river, on the Delaware River, which is a fly fishing area. And I built that out pretty fast because I started in November. And so I went from my two properties to adding the six others in less than a year. And I'm currently hoping to scale and grow the operation. So how did you initially find these co-host clients? Yeah, so I, I decided almost a year ago in August last year that I was going to start posting on social media regularly. I had listened to a Bigger Pockets podcast where Brandon Turner was actually like a guest appearance, even though he used to be the host. And he, they were talking about social media and the power of social media marketing. And he basically gave some tool tips, some tools and just said, just consistency. So I made this commitment to posting five reels a week. And I just started kind of plugging away. And as everyone who does this knows, like at first you just kind of fumble through and you try to figure out what you're talking about and kind of who your target audience is. But I really had a passion for my, my at the time, pretty new Airbnb. And I, so I just started talking about that. And so anyways, I shared to a lot of local Facebook groups, a lot of the real estate groups. And because of that, I had a lot of organic reach. And I ended up building these relationships where people would send me referrals. So a couple of properties came from referrals. So yeah, almost 100% through this like organic posting reels and posting content. And then a couple through referrals of networking in the area. Okay. And I think uh, Mayor, for those of y'all watching, definitely check out his content, but you've definitely gotten comfortable behind the camera. I feel like that's yeah, how I, you've evolved in your, 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 I love how you're in the car a lot. That's your, that's your <laughs> recording studio. 
Yeah, so I have four kids. Yeah, so I have four kids and kids can be noisy. So the car is like a nice, quiet place that's always quiet. And I'm very good at fitting things in. I, I work a full-time job. My, obviously, my own two properties plus the side business. And I'm involved with my church. So I'm pretty busy. So You're doing a lot. You're doing finding a those lot. moments to like fit <laughs> things in is like really key. And I'm like, I'll fit it in when I can fit it in. A lot of people make excuses. Like I'm too busy. Yeah. I can't do it. So I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this in the car. Like it works for me. Consistency is everything. And I yeah. think, and I tell this to folk in our mastermind, especially those who are doing arbitrage or co-hosting. It's really, don't just like, all right, I got to do 10 hours. I got to go all day and do yeah. reach outs to potential landlords or potential co-host clients. Make sure you're consistent. If you're going to do yeah. 20 minutes a day, do 20 minutes a day. Right. Whatever exactly. it may be, consistency is more important. It's the most important, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think I realized like that I don't have the capacity right now to do long form, right? Like, I wanted mm -hmm. to do long form media. And I, mm -hmm. I actually came from, I was a tech director at a pretty large church before what I do now. So I was always in front of the camera, pretty comfortable in that regard, editing and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just, I realized that I couldn't really have the capacity to be consistent with long form, right? So I was like, what can I be consistent with? I could do minute reels. I could do this and I could figure out ways to edit. I still edit in-house and stuff and it, it works. Obviously growing is super slow and it's, I'm committed to staying. But you've got but, clients. I mean, regardless, yeah. of, I'm not, and this is a, this is an Airbnb podcast, not a social media podcast. Yeah. But right. uh, regardless of how much reach you've had and whatever, yeah. I mean, I'm watching. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's yeah. something, but regardless yeah, it's, of it's that, helpful regardless marketing, of that, you've, got sure. clients. you've got yes, clients. Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it's like successful, right? Because of that. Yeah. You've really kind of established yourself as the local domain expert in Syracuse. Yeah. In a medium-sized city. <laughs> Not real city, but we've been talking, we've been working on, say, all right, Syracuse, like the types of properties you're getting mm -hmm. in the area are actually a lot of times more rural properties, more more sparse, like kind of, yeah. and you're thinking about trying to add a new location, a more densely populated area to your management portfolio. But walk us through kind of our conversations there. I know we've, it's very recent in the development but yep. we get kind of what we've been progressing. Guys, and I want to touch on this is Merritt's on his way. I see it. He's on his way. He's doing the right things. And I think this will be really good. So when we run this back a year, two years from now, it's wow, we looked back and we're like, it's crazy how far, you know, we've come. And that's yeah. really what I want today to be is like where Merritt is, how he's gone to where he is and like how he's being proactive into the future to, to create the life he wants. Does that, if that, and I hope that resonates with folk because that's not everybody. I don't only want to interview people who are like, oh, yeah, I've got a $2 million revenue business, right. 30 listings, or I own 46. And trust me, I interviewed them or I've right. sold $40 million worth of Airbnbs last year. That's great. Uh, right. it's, good to, it's good to have folk who started more recently and are doing the right things to put themselves in the position they want to be. But yeah, Merit, so what kind exactly. of what are you thinking? What are the initiatives? for new growth. Yeah. So like you mentioned already, looking at new markets. And I think one of the things you said that really stood out to me is a market that is really saturated is great for a co-hosting business, right? If you're investing, a saturated market can kind of be scary sometimes because you have to be top dog. You have to really like amenities galore, et cetera. But for a co-hosting business, you actually want a super saturated market. Like you want a market that has tons of properties there. And we broke down like you're going to have more vendors. You're going to have like more pool maintenance people. You're going to have more like anyone you need to run a short-term rental successfully will kind of already be like in that market. So it'll be a lot easier. 
So yeah, so I think my focus now is marketing to another market that is that has a lot of properties in it. Like I said, like this area doesn't have too many properties, so it's like hard to scale. And I'm, I also want to like do bigger numbers and do bigger deals. So I need to go to a market where those things exist. So I'm working currently on building out a website, a landing page for a specific market. I'm building out a Google My Business to hit that market. I've also been doing some cold outreach to cleaners to, for referral fees. So I went on Turno and did like a fake bid, like a fake property. And I got a bunch of bids and I just started like building relationships. So nothing from that yet, but I'm just trying to think of creative ways to connect with people in that market. So we're looking at the Kissimmee and Orlando market. So I'm targeting in on that market. I'm looking for like creative ways to market, to market there and to kind of build a, a home base in that second market so that I could scale a lot quicker. Yeah, exactly. And that's Merritt and I have been talking about creative ways. Cause he's never, I mean, have you even been to Kissimmee or Orlando? Disney I've area? been to Orlando like probably okay. over 10 years ago. Yeah. Got it. But you know, we're establishing a new operation in a new place, Yeah, building relationships and for co-hosting, a lot of times you get referrals is the best yeah. way to, and the best way to get referrals is to tell people you'll literally pay them. If yes. they bring you a co-host client or a property management client, you'll pay them $500, which if it's a property in Kissimmee, they're all, they're pretty consistent. They they pull in probably 60, 70, 80, 100K a year. So if you're taking 20% yep. co-host fee yep. on a 60K a year property, that's 12,000 or $1,000 yep. a month. So you can afford, yes. you can afford to pay $500 right. to get a referral. So, you know, a place that you not, you aren't physically, you got to be creative. If you're there, yeah. obviously you can reach out to people. You can say, yeah. Hey, let's meet up and have conversations. But if you're not there, you got to do it a different way. Another way I know folk do it. And I, we haven't touched on this yet, but actually JD, he guy who came to one of our meetups in New York, he has 50 co-hosts and he does paid ads. He does paid ads mm -hmm. to get, to get co-host clients. So like pay-per-click or Facebook or which one? Yeah, exactly. Pay-per-click. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I like we met or he came to our mass or he came to our meetup and then I DM'd him. And next thing I knew, I saw all of his ads were starting to pop up to me, uh, which was pretty funny. <laughs> well, it's nice. I mean, like, it's cool because like that, like creating that landing page will create like a, will get us ready for that, right? Like the Google exactly. My Business, the landing page. And it's like that much easier to just pay for, to do some pay-per-click ads on there. So yeah. like, that's a great, that's a great strategy. I'm also going to call realtors, which you mentioned. Do same thing, referral fee for realtors. And I was doing the referral fee thing too. I think I needed to just up the ante. Because mm -hmm. before you mentioned that, I was offering 250 to cleaners. But yeah, maybe 500 bucks is gonna, a little more incentivizing. Absolutely. Five, I mean, 500, that's kind of, a, I'd say, like the pretty standard rate that from yeah. what I've seen. And I think it's great, honestly, and a great part. And maybe you can touch on what the value is and being in a mastermind and just having mm -hmm. a community and network of folk who are all doing the same things and who are talking to people and kind of leveling up together. But yeah, maybe touch on that. I guess what your experience has been. Well, hey, first of all, how did we meet? I think that's kind of a funny yeah. story. I want to hear it from your perspective. And then so I, yeah. so I, I, I knew about your content from my friend Connor Schwartz. And so I'd been following you on social, but I went, we both went to the Wealthy Way Hollywood conference, Ryan Pineda. And I was, it's kind of far from here, like this across the whole country. But I went solo. I didn't really know anyone out there. And uh, it's kind of a crazy, yeah. So like we were like eating lunch and you and um, I'm Patrick. blanking. Why am I, Pat, you and Patrick. Patrick, there you go. You and Patrick walked by and I had met, I had Facebooked Patrick. Hey, let's meet up because we were Facebook friends. And then I was like, hey, I think I recognize your face. And then I was like, oh, you're Jeremy, right? So it's kind of a cool coincidence. And then we had lunch together. 
And then we went to we went clubbing together. It was Merritt's birthday. And yeah. I don't go clubbing. I yeah, just, neither do I, I. I used to go clubbing, definitely. And But when someone says, hey, it's my birthday, and my, I also have family in LA, and they're in hospitality. And when I say hospitality, they're in literally in clubbing. <laughs> it's like what they do for what they do for work. So when he, he told me that it was his birthday and my cousin said, hey, if you want to go to Sound Nightclub, we can help you out. Then I was like, all right, looks like we're going clubbing. Merit. Yeah, listen, it was on. kind of a cool serendipitous event. Like I, I, don't, I, I literally had never been clubbing, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. I got married so young and started having kids right away. So it was like family time, family mode from the get go. But it was fun. It was a fun experience. And it was like kind of a cool way to connect with you as well. And you and Blake and we get to know you guys a little bit. So and, I, then, and then we went back to the hotel. And I think it was a pretty interesting experience. Yes. What I had a nice chat with Rob Abbasalo. Yeah, Rob, Rob Bill was at the hotel. So we had a good good 1 a.m. conversation with him and his colleague who, blank on his name, but a really cool guy. Yeah, super nice guy. He's, he runs operations for Rob, right? The, yeah, the real estate side of yeah. things. But uh, yeah, that was, yeah, uh, it was a memorable, memorable experience. And I, in the value of the mastermind, right? And you talked about the mastermind a little bit afterwards. And I've actually been like, my whole goal, my whole like goal for this year was to level up, which is part of the reason I went to this conference, right? Like I wanted to go, my goal was to go to two conferences this year. And that was one of them. And so because of this kind of relationship, right? Like I never would have met you. We never would have gone out and hung out. We never, I never would have known really about your mastermind or had that relationship built. And that networking is really why I've been trying to like, I've been trying to commit to that, to that leveling up and networking. So I think for the same reason I went to the conference is the same reason I joined this mastermind, right? I'm wanting to hold myself to a higher standard. I'm wanting to be connected with major players, like people who are willing to put skin in the game and invest in themselves, invest in their education. And so joining this mastermind was that for me, right? It's like the ability to be connected with you and some of a lot of your experience that you have in this industry, but also for the other people in the cohort or whatever to build relationships and network. And I mean, I've only been in it for a little bit now, but it's been really great so far to just have that resource there. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Well, I think it was funny how our mastermind's like relatively, I mean, it's relatively new. I mean, I've been working with like select folks for a couple of years who at this point, the folk I've been working with for one or two years are really doing well. So, but for most people, it's like kind of the first several months because I didn't really open it up to kind of folk I didn't immediately know until relatively recently, but it's like starting to see folk are just getting listings and then they're using our design toolkits because we, we, everything that we use, like all the resources that, that we have developed that, that we use on a regular basis, our squad uses, like everyone uses, everyone gets access to, we don't hold anything back, even all the little tips and tricks. Like we try to get everything in front of everyone but one of the most one of the most like visible signs of that is like our design toolkits not not even not only a furniture list people normally say furniture list but we don't we share a lot more than a furniture list we share like literal like this is a six bedroom house this is like every room in the house every single thing that every single thing in that room that we ordered put together everything flows seamlessly and like we continuously do new houses so You know, our design and we've been, I mean, I don't know, in your opinion, I think we went through it yesterday in our call, kind of like the evolution of our design. And I looked back to like my first property and I'm like, damn, yeah, this was it. (laughs) I mean, not very good. (laughs) Yeah, no, yeah, totally. No, that's, I love that too. I mean, there's so many resources like that are just really valuable. Yeah, but it was, it's cool to see we had a design toolkit from three months ago. 
that was literally like what we designed our properties that we launched earlier this year. And then we had a design, we just had a new design toolkit built yeah. like a month ago. And it's just funny to see people who launched their properties three months ago, like they look a certain way. And then the ones right. who launched their property like last month, they look like everyone's looks similar based off when they're launching properties. And they're really good. I mean, our, and something I've just, maybe I would like your thoughts on this, just like the importance of design nowadays yeah, and just having really good listings. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. One of the properties that I took on to manage, it was going to potentially be an arbitrage deal, but I ended up just going co-hosting with it. Technically, I'm the host, so it's like more of a property management situation, but we went all out on the design. There was some furniture already there, but we really put a lot of detail into it and accent walls and stuff. And it's one of the best performing properties in my portfolio because we went so heavy on the design, right? And it's making me want to go back to my second listing, which is still kind of like some of the furniture was included in the sale kind of situation. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to go back and do like a whole revamp and refresh the pictures, re refresh the design because I see the value and how much, how many more bookings you get and how much, how much more the calendar is full. Yeah. So it's and pretty it's incredible. It's actually funny. I'd say one of, there's been a lot of great aspects of starting to work with others. And it was something I was like a little reluctant to do at first. And honestly, it took me again, a couple of years of folks yeah. really asking me. And yeah. then I finally was like, all right, I'll do it. But one of the cool things is just seeing kind of like you get more data points than just your own portfolio. Like I got a call with my Airbnb account manager yesterday. I have a monthly call. They go over my portfolio, my year over years, my little markets, but you don't really get exposure to the insights of 20, 30, 40, yeah. 40 different people's listings in different areas and yeah. seeing how the every folk did things differently. But I mean, I'll just give one example for us is like the folk we have in our program who have used, who have just launched a property and have used our designs and also gotten our feedback on them. They're crushing it. Like insanely right, right. lucrative properties. Right. We have had a lesser number <laughs> of examples where like someone kind of inherited a, yep. like a furniture of a property yes and i told them like i'm just gonna be honest eh. i'm not gonna i mean i'm not gonna tell you oh spend 30 grand 20 or 15 grand on furniture like if it's furniture but i'm gonna be honest like it doesn't yeah doesn't, it doesn't look and they're just like not doing that well yeah and i'm just like i mean i like i've told i i recommend it we obviously give the resources of how to yes. design well if you get something that someone else furnished they're not thinking of how to do we think a lot on yes. how do we create what people are going to pay a premium for. Right. And there's a right. reason why we have our toolkits and our resources like a certain right. way. So if you don't use the resources, then so it's been good to yeah. see like, all right, that's really validating that like. Yeah, I, I would also add to that as a co-host, as like a newer co-host property manager for short-term rentals, I'm like learning to read what the investor or homeowner will, will respond to with my suggestions and yeah. my consultation. Right. So yep. I've taken on a couple of properties where none of my consultation, like none of my advice, none of my design pointers were taken on and they're and not doing point, well. They don't do well. Exactly. And at that point yeah. you, you feel a little powerless because as a co-host, right. It's like your cash isn't in the game, right. You're managing it for a service fee. And so it's, it's a learning curve there because I, I want to work with folks who are willing and ready to crush it, right? Yeah. We want their property to be the best in the market. And if they allow me to help formulate it in that way and to use the resources we have here in the mastermind and like really make the property like pop and go to the top of the charts in that area, then I want to take on those kind of clients, right? Versus the clients are like, mm, I'm just going to leave that, that dusty old grandma's bed there and the quilts. And like, they're, they're like not really wanting to put the money in to make it a winner. 
So that's a learning curve for me as I'm taking on co-hosting clients is trying to read and understand the clients who are ready to like take it to the next level and the clients who aren't. But I'm like trying to stay sharp as I get new leads to make sure I'm working with clients who are like ready to crush it. Exactly. And I think that's, and that's something kind of you, you learn evolve. So, and to kind of compare that to my journey, when I started, I, I was heavy co-host and I, I still am. I still, I haven't lost co-host clients. I just right. haven't expanded as much. Yeah. And, but I'm very, if I take a new client at yeah. this point, like it has to be a situation because a lot of times I do more like vacation homes where my co-host portfolio, where the homeowners want to go there a certain period. But if they're like, yeah, we're going to go there a lot or we're going to, this is actually like our vacation home. I'm like, all right, well, then it's your vacation home or get someone else. Whereas yeah. for me, it's not like we'll go maybe if the calendar is open, but really we yeah. want this thing rented and making money. Like that's our first priority. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I'm like, all right, I'll work with you then. You like that? Yeah, no, that's interesting because that's another, that's definitely another barrier to being a co-host, right? Is the folks who are like, yeah, I just want to rent it on the side when I'm not using it. Right. And I'm like, you know, you're not going to do very well. I mean, I had one lead come into me and it was like some kind of like timeshare situation where he had a certain number of weeks at the property a year and he wanted me to co-host it. It's like, there's no money in that for me. I'm sorry. Like, 12 weeks of the year, it's an Airbnb and the rest, it's timeshare. You have to learn when it's like not a good fit, right? Yeah. And when it's not going to be, it's not going to be, I mean, obviously I'm a business, I'm trying to make money, right? And so, yeah, I'm also onto the, I want to lean more into the vacation homes and the more luxury short-term rental properties versus the mom and pop kind of thing. Although obviously I have some of those in my portfolio and they're doing great, but I'm kind of on that same line where I'm trying to be more selective and really qualify my leads a little bit better. And that's, and I think one of the reasons I recommended the Kissimmee, which we looked over a pretty big swath of the country was you have a lot of foreign investors who just park mm -hmm. their money in Disney. Right. Literally, they just, that's what that, that's what the, it's literally them just, hey, I have money. I want to invest like a lot of Canadian and Chinese investors where in Canada, you can't make yeah. really any returns doing pretty much anything right now, which is. Honestly, I think a large reason a lot, there's a pretty over-representation of Canadian folk in our, mm -hmm. in our program. And honestly, the Canadians like crush it because they have, they they want to invest. There's just no, like in Canada, there's just no way. So they're motivated. Mm -hmm. definitely. And then also you have a lot of like Chinese folk who invest in Disney. And this is what I've heard. I've been, yeah. and I talk to people all the time who are doing yeah. in different places. So you really, it's not really, it, it's kind of a good situation for a co-host yeah. because it's someone who's literally already not local they're right. already out of the country so they're not going to be like hey Merritt, like why are you in upstate new york today yeah you're right not, like, right they're to them you're in america <laughs> yeah and my, my pitch too for the remote co-hosting thing is and I, hopefully this is good you can actually give me your feedback on this but what i tell people because i had i've had people all over the state even oh how far are you you're three four hours but my pitch is listen my, my personal airbnb is literally three blocks away and i've stepped foot in it once last year because yeah. I build such a good team and such good systems that I'm not the one that's going to be plunging the toilet because I have a great team in place. So that's kind of the pitch I give people anyways. Listen, I have one down the street from me. I don't physically go there. I'm good at managing and I'm good at building teams and I'm good at making sure that those teams have the quality that we desire. So that's kind of the pitch I've been using. I don't know your feedback, like how you pitch. I got you, bro. This is what I'm here for. Let's and hear this it. Is, this is based and you should listen to, I think it actually came out yesterday but my podcast with bailey kramer who started with co-hosting actually dropped out of school to build his co-host business 
has, I think at one point he was up to 20, 30 co-host listings. I think he shed it back, like kind of got rid of the clients he didn't like and uh, has been built, started buying with his co-host income. Yeah. But what he says, because obviously he, he gets asked this all the time, he's just to be honest, you don't want, if I was like, let's say, all right, you have a plumbing issue, the toilet's not working. Right. What am I going to do? Regardless if I'm there or I'm on the beach somewhere, I mean, he doesn't say I'm on the beach somewhere, but regardless <laughs> if I'm there 300 miles away, I'm going to call my plumber right. to get out there. Exactly. Exactly. No matter what. So it doesn't really matter. Like I have, we have the people. Yes. I have the team, like I have yes. the teams, the systems, the operations in place. Like, that's validating to, to hear that perspective. <laughs> exactly. That's, so, that's kind of the perspective I take too. Yeah. It's, what do you want me to do? Right. Uh, the electric, it's not, the electrical is not working. Okay. I'm going to get an right. electrician. And, and um, I think that premise like works across most of real estate too. Like the guys who start by flipping homes and they start flipping them themselves, right? They start like swinging the hammer, right? I'm a pretty handy guy actually. And I would be tempted to do that. But I know that I could hire someone better than me, right? I know that I can pay someone to do the job faster, solve problems quicker, and do the actual end result better than me when it comes to doing some of those operational tasks. So why would I do it myself, right? I want to build a business. I don't want to build like a handyman service or whatever. I want to build a legitimate business. So I think that same premise is like true across this, right? Like the skills I need are building systems and teams. That's the skills I need to bring to the table, right? Yeah, and I think it's like interesting, like what are my skills? And I've done several home renovations, like the ones we've bought have a lot of times been like heavier renovations where I'm good at engineering, like like a, a very inexpensive, pretty substantial home renovation. So if we have to do electrical, I'll figure out how to create an electrical system, figure out what the code is, you know, how to trench and mm -hmm. the electrical from the panel whatever all the way around like the property to wherever it needs to be and to get a dick get someone with a ditch switch to do it just to figure out how to do things inexpensively but like little easy things right i have no idea if it's like a flapper in the toilet like the toilet's like a little messed up <laughs> let it flood. i don't know like a little <laughs> flapper thingy and like the little jiggle stuff i'm like i, I don't know what's going on here i, I hate the flapper thing in the jiggle stuff man i hate it yeah, and that's like easy stuff. You probably Google and figure out like what's wrong with that. But no, nah, that's not me. I can figure out the hard things, but like yeah. easy little things, like nah, that's not my cup of tea. I'm specialized. Plumbing is the like, worst anyways. Yeah, like I'm specialized in like taking a $100,000 renovation and making it like a 40000 or $50,000 awesome. renovation. Yeah. That's what I try to do. And then right. like any little, I don't care if I'm paying $700 or $500 for something <laughs> like small. Right. And that's just something that you want to be, you, where's your time best spent? I think that's, yes, exactly. that's, that's what's important to think of is like for merit, what is the highest and best use of your time? How do you right. leverage yourself? And I don't want to use like Pineda <laughs> terminology, but multiply. Right. That's this yeah. whole thing. Like how do you multiply yourself? Yeah, that's really what I'm, that's really what I'm thinking about. And like at the moment, and maybe it's just because leads have slowed down a little bit from my organic reach. And I'm also, I'm kind of trying to tap away from my local market here, but that's really something I've been thinking about a lot is really a getting more leads on my table that I can deal with. That's the next phase I want to get to. And basically like closing those deals with the 70 K to hundred K a year gross properties, getting those deals on my table and getting those deals closed is really my highest value thing right now. Right at least from my perspective, like I getting that going is really what I, where I need to be. 
which I think is more valuable than, yeah, let me go actually plunge a toilet. Mary, you're, hey, well, you're a man of many talents. He, he sent me over music. Unfortunately, I did not have the opportunity to listen to it, but Merritt makes music. <laughs> uh, apparently, he's, apparently he's good at plunging toilets, but not what you should be yeah. doing any like longer. Eight out, of 10, eight out of 10 toilet plunger. Yeah. So how, so the, your current portfolio, I mean, it's kind of, where is it scattered around the upstate yeah. New York, Syracuse area? Yeah. So I have, it, most of them are in Syracuse proper. I have one that's in a suburb of Syracuse. That property does really well. It's, we call it the Woodland Shire because it has this kind of live edge siding. The inside, they did a little bit Hobbit-esque decor and that property does pretty well. And then I have two outside of the Syracuse area. I have one in the Thousand Islands, like I said, and then one in Deposit, New York, which is kind of like a fly fishing. It's a log cabin as well. But the majority of them are in Syracuse proper. Got it. And that's probably logistically the ones in Syracuse proper are probably a lot easier than the ones in Thousand Islands and all yeah. over the place. Yeah. So like the two that are outside of my region, I've had the issue we talked about earlier, like vendor issues, right? Like yeah. I had a... Over, over, was it Memorial? Yeah, Memorial holiday weekend. I had a, the well was like kicking up dirt. And so we couldn't get a plumber out there. I called every plumber on Google. Oh, and then I ended up called, my cleaner ended up hooking me up with her handyman who went out there. And luckily the problem had already subsided because it was pretty much just like soil was kicked up because of a high water table. But you have those more rural properties and like finding a vendor in a pinch is really hard, right? Like it's this tiny community. So that's definitely a barrier I've been running into is like finding vendors at those two more rural properties. The city properties, I have multiple cleaning teams, multiple maintenance crews. I have a property manager here locally who is awesome, but she handles like a lot of the communication, a lot of the resolving issues. I have a guy who takes out the trash every week. Like the logistics of the city properties is a lot easier because it's kind of in a bigger city and I have, I can build out vendor team teams a lot easier than I can in the rural areas. Yeah, I would say, so when Mayor, when you start buying, I know you bought some, but we've mm. also talked about raising capital yes. and doing bigger deals. Yeah. So when you do co-host kind of the having one property in one area that has its own cleaning team and its own handyman and its yeah. own plumber is not, it's not great. But right. when you start buying, uh, a lot of times I, I consider being rural, like a moat, being in a place with sparse resources right. as something that means <laughs> that TechFester, who's a hundred million dollar short-term rental fund, they're not going to go there. They're right. not going to go there and, and launch 10 properties. Because right. Smaller ponds. Well, it's a smaller pond, but it's just like the logistics required yeah. to get that operation up and running are a lot. But once you have that team, so we have properties on our lake in rural North Carolina where we own four yeah, And we also manage four on that lake. That's also where I have a seven boat rental business. We have a full-time crew. Right. Like people, when we call folk, they come. Yeah. Uh, where they probably won't come for other people because right. we have scale. We right. have exactly. the operations in place. So we're, we can outperform everybody. Right. Whenever I see reviews on other properties there, they're like, we didn't have water for three days and they couldn't right. get anyone to come out. We don't have that issue. Knock on wood. Yeah. But right. also, no, no, that's good. Western that's basically like you have a little bit, you're not competing against the multi-million dollar investor funds, basically, when you go more rural. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You kind of invest in, in an area supply. where you can dominate the market a little better. Yeah, exactly. Where you don't have competition right. or maybe you have competition, but it's not good competition. <laughs> yes. Like you are going to be the top performers in that market and yeah. you don't have to worry about 30 new Airbnbs yeah. popping up tomorrow. 
I'd say right. Western NC, same thing. We have a couple properties there. We have between our properties, kind of a, a handyman who he loves working with us. Any issue, he'll come out and deal with it. Yeah. So we don't have that stress of not getting things resolved. Cause that's really what a lot, right. I mean, you have issues in this game, right? You have yeah, so one of the things, one of the things though, that I've been noticing. So on air DNA, there are a couple of top properties in Syracuse that did over hundred K they did 120 and one did like maybe 130. They were lofts downtown. So there, this market is a little bit like that actually, because if I put probably like another 20 K into my single family property, it's already in the top 10. I know that it would crush it all the more. So like, I know that there is that capacity here because it's a smaller market and there's less big time investors. Hey, so remember, I think like Syracuse is a big city. That's what we went yeah, over this big earlier. City. <laughs> Not a big stadium. Not rural. Not rural. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-size metro. But yeah, I think even this market, if I did it right, like my first few properties, right? Like I kind of went budget on the furnishing and on the decor. Like I do think there's even room for that here. Although I definitely want to grow into some hotter markets. But knowing that there were properties in this area, I think those two are not operational anymore, but they were doing 110, 120, 130 a year gross is kind of a cool opportunity at hand. Those were arbitrages. I mean, then. Yeah. And I actually had two, two loft deal. It was a lead. There was no parking spaces. There was a couple of things that went down and then le legitimately I was about ready to sign and the landlord raised the rent 20%, making it like a little too squeezy on the margin for me. So I ended up pulling out, but it was two lofts downtown that I was going to arbitrage. They were gorgeous too. But yeah, like that's exactly the, that's exactly the thought I had. I saw those numbers and I said, let me find a loft downtown to rent. Yeah. How far are you from Buffalo? Buffalo is two and a half, three hours. Not far at all. Got it. Cause yeah, we had one, one mentee and initially you started, he started back in, I think October, one of the, honestly, one, again, right when I kind of opened it up and we got him, we found that there was a building downtown, not in Buffalo, but in what's that town near Buffalo? It's Rochester a, is between us. Rochester. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I was in Rochester. Yeah. So Rochester is we like, like an hour and a half. We were like, dang, well, I don't essentially, yeah. we found a building there that was kind of like a yep. loft style building yep. where there were several Airbnbs and they seem to do extremely well, mm -hmm. especially relative to the rent rate. Turns out there's mm -hmm. a con convention center there. And mm -hmm. he found, he was like, oh yeah, I know the property manager there. Like he's in real estate there. And next thing he was offered like several units in the building. Wow. I was like, damn bro, this is great. And then literally, like he went on the tour, he got the approval. Yep. Next day he goes, oh yeah, I'm under contract on a house uh, in the town over <laughs> to buy and turn it into an Airbnb. And I'm like, I mean, I'm obviously gonna, that's great. Yeah. It seems like you got a really good purchase price all yep. about it. And then he gets it up, he gets it ready to go in as an Airbnb. And like we helped him kind of through the process. And then he goes, I got an offer to sell it. <laughs> like wow. I'm, I'm gonna sell it. <laughs> I was just like, dude, you, you are pulling me all over the damn place, bro. Yeah. And well, let's find some lofts like that in Syracuse or even Rochester. Honestly, I have a lot of contacts in Rochester. There's actually a larger yeah, Rochester. I mean, I'll send it to you. I mean, I'll I'll find it and I can shoot that building. Yeah, and I, I'm actually like I I I like did the LLC zero percent interest credit card thing. So I'm like kind of ready to deploy that, whether it's an arbitrage deal or something else. But yeah, that's something I'm super interested in, especially like a loft that has a little like outdoor terrace or like patio, which one of the ones that was high performing had that, that would just crush it here or in Rochester. Yeah, absolutely. And you just find the little, and that's like really what this game is like finding properties in yep. areas and being like, what the heck? Yes. This thing is crushing it. Exactly. And you look up the purchase price or you look up the rent and you're like, damn, 
you're yeah, not exactly. paying that much. That's really what it is. And I feel like people always go, oh, what's a good area? What's a I mean, I'm not going to tell you Rochester yeah. is a good area. I'm not going to tell you Syracuse right. is a good area. I'm not going to tell you right. anywhere. But you can good. find the diamond in the rough, basically, if you do it right. Yeah, or like you find the one specific part of the town yes. that's a block away from a convention center. Or, yeah. I mean, that's an example. Or the houses, there's two houses in a market with a pool and they're both pulling right. in 130, exactly. whereas everything else is pulling in 60. Like just random, you just find random yeah. things. And it's, as an investor, it's your job. And that's where like short-term rentals is just less, I, I say quote unquote, like efficient, like meaning that like it's not a, perfect market like you can't just say oh a four bedroom here automatically is going to make this much right there's a lot of like variables and dislocations but because of that makes it where there's opportunity right that's the beautiful thing about right. finding that opportunity that no one else found like that that's what is going to make a good deal like actually your new house that you closed on is like a great example of that right like you found a new opportunity in a market that's not super oversaturated that you're just going to amenitize out the wazoo and like finding that opportunity is kind of how you win, right? And we'll see. And, that, and like, then I'll be a data point for everybody because this yeah. is a new strategy for me. And I obviously walked everyone through. This was my strategy at this time. This was like my thesis. Yeah. This was my thesis with this house here. This was like every time I bought has had some sort of, I think this is going to do this for this reason. It's not honestly, normally it isn't like, hey, I have this perfect house right next door. Right that's doing this exact amount. That's right. That's not how it is. So then I'll be, well, honestly, now I'll see that again, another great reason why we have this mastermind is because I'm buying this like a month after Blake bought another one in the area and he's crushing it. Right. <laughs> like absolutely crushing right. it. And like, he's, he took it to another level. Like he, he took a market where no one was doing anything. Well, actually right. he did it after other ones of our mentees had launched arbitrage properties in the area and he's, they were crushing it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and that's obviously we gotta be, when you're in, we can tell you exactly where and what we're doing, but uh, that's what, that was good for me to see. Oh, yeah. wow. He just took it to another level and damn, like he's doing really well. And I'm like, right. All right well, right. I'm going to take it to another level now and, uh, and see what happens. <laughs> that's awesome. Who's yeah. gonna <laughs> we like kind of inspire each other to find these little, these gems that are waiting to be discovered. Exactly, exactly. And it's just, a, it's a bunch of folk who are trying to find these things, which obviously the more eyes and the more, you know, data and the more software and all that jazz yeah. you have, the more likelihood you're gonna, you're gonna find these, again, dislocations, like things where it just don't yeah. make sense, essentially. Right. And that's really exciting. And uh, yeah, what are you excited for yourself? And again, I wanna, we're gonna do this again. Yeah, uh, hold our words. Today's June 23rd. I'm not exactly sure when this comes out. Guys, this will actually be my last time doing it in this really crappy studio. This is my old, what will be my old apartment in Greenwich Village, New York. I'm moving in with my girlfriend. We're going to get a nicer space. So after this episode, whenever this airs, hopefully I have a really cool podcast studio set up. But Regardless of that, Merritt, what's on the docket for you? What can folk look forward to and how do they watch your journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say I got my handle there in my title. So if you follow me at Merritt Badge MGMT, that's TikTok, Instagram, etc. But yeah, I'm excited to, I really, the co-hosting thing for me is a kind of a toolkit to get me to my end zone of investing, right? Like I, my bit, my end zone is using that money 
completely for savings and then investing in my own arbitrage and then my own purchases. So that's really what I'm excited about is really like creating this cash flow to further my journey of investing. I will cut in and I don't think I've sure. told you this. And again, I try to share things I've seen. Co-host businesses, you can actually sell. They were selling for, yeah. for vacation rental manager businesses. They were selling during 2020, 2021, like five, six times annual contracted revenue, which was like pretty nuts. It has moved down like a lot. It might be like two or three times right now. But wow. still, people tell me like arbitrage versus co-hosting. You know, when I do any sort of investment, I want to think about what is like my potential exit plan. Right. So Merit, you want to build this business to parlay you into your own building out an awesome real estate portfolio. Yep. Got it. And with co-hosting, like obviously you get the cash flow from it, but also at a certain point you get to 40, 50 properties. Again, they're in one place. You know, that definitely right. helps being in one place versus one here, one there, one there. Right. You can sell that. I mean, also there's a lot of folks trying to get an Airbnb right now. Right. who want to build these businesses, but know the amount of legwork it takes to build that client list. Yeah. But you get 50 properties. Let's say they're on average making 50K a year. So that's $10,000 a piece for the property manager times 10,000 times 50. That's what, 500 grand? Yeah, exactly. Even if you sell that at three times revenue, that's 1.5 mil. Exactly. You know? And then take, you can take that 1.5 mil, leveraging DSCR loans or different financing. Right. You can leverage that up probably to four million, yeah, four million, five million dollars worth of real estate. Exactly, yeah. So it's a cash flow, but it's also also the equity and the ownership of the business. It's a business, and I compare it right. to arbitrage too, because you just can't sell an arbitrage business. I yeah. mean, you might people have trying to sell the contracts. It's just maybe you could like scheme someone, and, and it might I've work seen out. Him. Yeah, I've well, seen him try. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can, yeah, you can transfer, you can put on like a small scale with yeah. one landlord. Maybe they'll just kind of look the other way. But yeah. if you have a hundred unit portfolio yeah. and 25 listings in a building, and then what, you're buying out three months left on a lease? Yes, exactly. You know, how does, the math on, how does the math on that work? Yeah. Whereas like co-hosting, you have a predictable churn. Let's say you have 50 clients, you can expect to lose five of them, but you can also right. expect to pick up five. Right. So it's like you have predictable numbers, whereas with arbitrage, yeah, it's just really hard to underwrite one of those acquisitions. So it's again, I like to think about what's my exit plan for my arbitrage yeah. properties. Like I have no, it's just cash flow them right. and continue to resign. I don't have any expectation right. that one day I'm going to sell them. I mean, maybe I could like on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but I'm discounting that where like co-hosting really like you can have an, yeah, realistically have an exit plan. So Maybe yeah, that, that, that actually, I didn't even that I wasn't even awakened to that till actually when we were hanging with you and Patrick, who like he bought one, <laughs> he bought a 20 unit on creative finance. He bought a 20 unit co-hosting business. I think well, it was a 20, I roughly give or take. Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah. I opened my eyes to this idea that, yeah, this is. I was like, why? <laughs> I was like, why'd you buy it? Bought a headache. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's one of those I'm deals where like. Make a 20 unit co-hosting business. He was like, right, I don't know. Right. I'm having trouble. It was just easier to buy one. I'm like. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, probably faster, faster scale. But it's kind of one of those deals where like, it at least opened my eyes to this idea that it's also this business that could be sold. I totally agree with you there. That's pretty exciting to me. Exactly. So it's all good stuff. So yeah, what can we, what can we be on the look? You investing and where can they find or follow you? 
Yeah. So at Merit Badge MGMT, it's, that's my handle for everything, Instagram, TikTok, et cetera. I'd love to, to chat with anybody. I'd love to help folks out with the knowledge I have already and also network with folks who are like way above me and doing awesome stuff. And what's, um, so, and I should have asked this first, but what's your pro tip? My pro tip. My pro tip is, let's see. Oh, geez. Caught me off guard with this one. Could be the networking one. I mean, they've been pretty, pretty adamant. <laughs> yeah. No, I would say my pro tip is find the person for your team that's really going to be like the point person. So like my local property manager, her name is Brenda. She has really allowed me to scale and to build out a great business. And like finding that person who you really trust to do that is, has been huge because it's allowed me to focus on growing and on and acquisitions. And uh, yeah, so find your point acquisition person who's really going to take the lead on that. I think that's... So you're like ops manager. Exactly. Yeah. And um, honestly, that, and this is something we've actually been discussing internally, uh, the, our Blake and I about our portfolios because we have virtual assistants yep. who in a way are like somewhat ops managers, but we definitely have to get pulled into things more. Yep. And we do have local, our local crews who also in a way are ops managers, but really just having one dedicated, yep. like American probably kind of ops manager for the entire portfolio where, yep. you know, they can talk to a plumber, electrician, handyman better than someone in the Philippines can. Right, 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 totally. And also not to mention, it creates one more buffer point where you're like working on your business, not in it, right? We're like, exactly. the VAs then reach out to the ops manager, right? Instead of reaching out to you directly. And then they solve the problem. You don't even hear about it unless it's like the house is on fire. Exactly, yep, yep, <laughs> exactly. And that's, and because I, I do feel like, guys, I will admit this, I'm million dollar, minimum, like million dollar revenue business, all that good stuff, great listings. I check like a lot. I check my stuff. I check. Yeah. I check my. I, I check to make sure our VAs are responding to people. Yeah. I check yep. to make sure how quickly they're responding to them, that they're answering and saying the right things, like stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't want to be checking over your guys' work anywhere right. anymore. So having someone who's like checking over their work and just creates, you know, me, I'm talking to people all day. I'm working on the software that we have built out bnb calc making that better reaching more people i'm creating more content um, and that's where i'm focused on that creativity and right. then having and ideally someone... like the ops manager is like also auditing your systems right hey is yeah. this our best system is this the best software solution right now like how can we improve or utilize this software solution in a better way like they're the person doing that so that you can focus kind of on the bigger picture of things exactly and like to be frank like i don't look when we initially built out our, we use monday.com and we use Notion yep. some for our, our CRM, not our CRM, but the, our, our resources where all of our like or SOPs, like standard operating procedures. Yeah. I don't even look in it anymore. Like, which right. then I'm like, I probably should, I should have someone who's literally just making sure that everything is organized and documented. Like when our VA says something, I'm like, why the heck did you say that? What's our notes on that? And they send me something. I'm like, who that's wrong and i like i don't like that being the case where i'm check i'm catching it on yeah. like the gets message where it's wrong info and i could yeah. yes i could go in myself and i could review yeah. everything in our sops and make sure everything is right i totally could do that but i'm at the point where i don't want right. to <laughs> yeah and I don't yeah need... I, i'm gonna say i really wasn't aware that this was an interview but i'm glad to be here 
Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Kidding. Wow. <laughs> Looks like we're talking. Yeah. Wow. This, is, this is a mastermind, baby. This is so. No uh, here's my resume. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking also it'd be like not. This is just talk I had with Blake yesterday, but and there's all a lot of like young folk out there who are trying to get into the game on things and like yeah. want to provide their expertise or sorry their time and kind of yeah. in return get like that mentorship. Yeah. And that's like for the calculator we had a kind of like an intern who reached out and was like, I'm a yeah. user. I would love to kind of provide value. And that's cool. so I'm definitely some people listen to this young hustlers. Like you want to provide folk like merit or myself value. We like value and we're guys where we like to help other people out too. So yeah, y'all are listening. Feel free to reach out. Feel free to reach out either to either of us or any last words or anything you want to want to share. Yeah. With that. I love that what you ended on there is I have a lot of people who approach me, hey, I want to get involved. I want to, but they don't do that value thing, right? Where they're like, hey, let me provide value. Like, how can I help your operation go well? I would say that's a big one, right? If you're wanting to network and get in the game, offer someone some level of value and like maybe even do a month of something for free. Like just give that value so that you become indispensable, right? Like, and then at that point, you will gain the knowledge, you will gain the networking you need, you'll be connected with the folks you need to be connected with. And so, yeah, if you're brand new and interested and looking to get in the game, like I definitely suggest doing that. And then obviously my other pro tip is put yourself out on social media. Don't be afraid. Like you're going to, you're going to say some stupid things. You might say something wrong. Your editing might be crappy, but just put yourself out there. Doing that alone is going to be huge. And it's going to build a lot of trust. That's the thing is when people start talking to me, they already trust me. I've like never met them, but they see my face, right? Like they see my mustache, they see my glasses. And so they trust me already when they talk to me and I'm like, I don't even know you, but you trust me. Put yourself on social media, put yourself out there. It's going to be, it's going to be huge for your business. So that's my other free pro tip for you. Awesome guys. Well, hope y'all got some value from us today and definitely stay tuned. We're going to have merit back and I'm super stoked for that. Again, we timestamped today. So yeah, well, it'll be, we'll 10X. it'll be 10 X. Exactly. If it's not, then I don't know. We'll I'm maybe be back at the club again. Drowning Morning. our sorrows. Morning. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be crying. Totally kidding. But guys, stay tuned, stay tuned for this episode, future episodes. And as always, share comment love having you guys and yeah have a great weekend everybody thanks for listening to the short-term rental pros podcast make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes in the meantime leave us a five-star rating like comment and share this with someone you know that wants to invest in short-term rentals